0: don't pick out one in the pew uh, and look at page 929 we're looking in Acts chapter 20 and this is coming to to the end pretty much pretty soon of our uh, oversight in the book of Acts about what was organizationally and leadership and essence of the New Testament Church what can we learn about being the Church of Christ here in this area in the 21st century That really is true to the word of God. So we're going to look uh, today at an incident and again in the life of Paul as he is dealing with that. Um, But I, I want to remind us as we see this, because why I asked our seasoned saints about this, is that I want us to see and understand there is no shame, no shame in growing old. But there is shame in not valuing, learning from older saints in Christ. No shame in aging, but there is shame where you and I don't value a brother or sister in Christ who has been walking with Jesus for years and is unashamed to say to you, he's still good. We we must. And I think looking and listening to seasoned saints like this is a rich reminder. Um, And I've I've been affected down through the years of saints like that. But let's see what Paul is saying about that very same experience. In verses 17 through 24, it's right in the midst of an incident where Paul is calling together the elders in order to say goodbye to them. Hear now the word of the Lord, verses 17 through 24 of chapter 20. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to be there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment And afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. This is the word of the Lord. A lot of things to think about in that passage, but one I want to highlight as kind of a theme as we unfold this is simply this. True Christian discipleship, to truly be a follower of Jesus, involves not only a a daily growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but it involves having a lasting impact. It's not just you following Jesus, it's you having an impact. For Jesus' sake, think about it. Everyone, that means you and me, everyone is having some kind of an impact or an effect. It doesn't have to be dramatic, but all of us, all of us are being affected by and also having an effect on others. Whether you know it or not, whether you like it or not. You are having an effect on somebody else, and others are having an effect on you. Who affects us today? What, what are things that affect you today? How about politics? Anybody affected by politics? How about the Oscars? Movies? How about the Phillies? Yeah, please. <laughs> um, how about teachers? How about parents? How about, how about bosses? How about school friends? How about Jesus Christ? Paul, like all of us as professing Christians, was in the business of living a life impacted by Jesus for the purpose of impacting others. Friends, true Christian discipleship involves not only a daily growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but of having a lasting impact. The incident we're looking at here in the life of Paul and his ministry was a very meaningful, yet a sad incident here. At the end of this chapter, if you read to the end, he would say at the end of this chapter to these elders that he has lived with, cried with, prayed with. He would say to these elders, this is the last time I will see you alive. I will never see you again until glory. He wanted to have a lasting impact on them as he remembered with them his own walk with Jesus and what he had learned about discipleship. So let's look at this passage, not so much as a how-to program and being a successful Christian, but rather let's look at it to see the essence of being a disciple of Christ and the effect, the real effect that can have on people. Now, we're going to look at three things to consider based on this. And again, I'll use some alliteration to help us to remember. Three things I want us to see come out of this passage. Discipleship involves three things. It involves invitation. It involves instruction. And it involves imitation. Invitation, instruction, and imitation. Imitation. The call of Jesus, think about it, the call of Jesus is the common link for all professing Christians. Jesus' personal invitation to everyone who is lost, he says it in many ways, but he says this in, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, come unto me, all who are weary and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. It's an invitation. Jesus says, are you lost I will find you. Are you broken? I will hear you. Are you under the guilt of sin? I will forgive you. Come to me. He wants us to be a part of his family, fellow children of the Heavenly Father. Friends, sharing our lives with one another is not an option. We are the body of Christ and we need each other. And we need each other, especially when we are facing challenges and changes. And we see that in verses 17 and 18. Paul's desire, Paul's desire is to see these elders as well as to talk to them. His invitation was a constant theme in his life. He was inviting them, come and hear about the blessings and the burdens of following Jesus. In, what he, in the new world he would be facing. Isn't it a blessing to sit and talk to another Christian about what are you learning? To ask a seasoned believer, what have you learned? And did you hear some of the things our brothers and sisters said? We invite each other. Paul's invitation was, was not merely an RSVP event to hear him preach. He needed and wanted to be with them for his sake, as well as theirs. Paul was not only confident in the fact that Jesus was all he needed, but he was equally confident in the fact that he, Paul, needed the body of Christ. Listen again to what Paul says in different writings. Listen to what he says in Philippians 1 about this desire. He says this, For God is my witness, how I yearn for you, with all the affection of christ jesus think about it this giant in the faith is weak without others around him isn't that amazing if anybody had it with right with with god it was paul what what does paul say i can't be what i'm called to be without you please come to me i remember talking to a seasoned saint as well about this and And this person said, your walk with Jesus is not a walk by yourself. It is with fellow believers. This seasoned saint wanted all younger believers to know you cannot do this alone. (laughs) Don't walk without others. You need other believers to have a lasting impact, watching how that happens. Paul wanted to invite them again to look at his life and his commitment to them. That's why he says here, He served the Lord with all humility, with tears, with trials. He wanted them to know. He wasn't there to boast. He was there as a broken man in humility who had been through so much. Friends, pride has no place in the Christian life. Rather, humility does. Paul is broken, inviting them to be with him. We can't do it alone. A true disciple of Jesus invites others to go with him or her in that walk. So we see that invitation is is critical for us to understand discipleship. But Paul would then go on to, to talk about the importance of instruction. Instruction. In verses 20 and 21, he tells you what he did. He reminds them of the content of the Christian life. He says, he declared to them, quote, anything that was profitable and teaching in public and from house to house. Think about it. Publicly and privately, he wanted them to be grounded in God's truth. I want you to have a foothold, a foundation. And so I will teach you personally and publicly. That teaching was nothing less than the word of God. Paul would use similar phrases when instructing Timothy about the essence of Scripture, the importance of the Bible, when he said all Scripture is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Brothers and sisters, if you're a disciple of Jesus, Paul is saying you've got to have instruction. And where does that come from? Only from the Word of God. So what did Paul do? I spent my time not just hanging out with you, but reminding you of the truth of God's word whenever I could. You know, our experience with the grace of God must always be founded in the knowledge of God. You can't really have one without the other. And it's interesting here, isn't it, that the doctrines being taught by Paul and now written down for us are absolutely critical for anyone who hopes to be a true follower of Jesus for the rest of their lives. Did you catch those two doctrines, those brief things that he said? Two doctrines that Paul reminds them of are essential daily building blocks for discipleship. What does he say? He mentions repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. These weren't passing comments. These were the essence of it turning to god implies i'm turning away from something else you've got to see that your christian life as these seasoned saints have reminded you in a real sense is a as a daily battle i've got to turn away from what i'm pulled to and turn to the one who is inviting me i've got to consciously say no and consciously say yes i want to turn Away, so that I can turn to my God and trust him. But I want to put my faith not just in a concept, but in the Jesus, the the Savior, the one who has given his life for me. What would that look like? If you and I started every day with these doctrines embedded in our hearts and our minds, God help me today to turn from the things of the world and to turn to you. God help me to keep my eyes on Jesus. What if you started every day with that? Would that help? I think it would be good to pause here at this point and ask some simple application questions. What if I followed you around for a week? You didn't know I was there, by the way. (laughs) the invisible pastor? What if I followed you around for a week? What would I observe? Uh, how, how important would I see that your interaction or fellowship with other Christians would be to you? How, what place would the Bible and the things that it teaches, what place would they have in your life? If I followed you for a week, what would I come away with? If you followed me for a week, okay? I'm not just pointing fingers here. Are we conscious? Are we being instructed by the things of God in a way that affects us? So we see that, that invitation is critical, that instruction is foundational, but now that final aspect of discipleship in this passage, it's again more implied than described, but, but it's critically important. That would be the importance of imitation, imitation, imitation. Paul is not only inviting them to look and listen and and feel what's happening, but he's also endeavoring for them to follow his example. He wants them to know that this adventure of following Jesus is rarely easy, and he knows that what awaits him is more and more problems and probably death. At the end of Acts, we don't know what happens to Paul except he was in prison And the legend is that he was finally martyred and put to death. But he also knows there is no greater calling than to go where Jesus calls you to go, to do what he tells you to do, to trust even when you can't see. What we find in verse 24, I think, is one of the most profound and personal pictures of Christian discipleship in all of Scripture It's worth memorizing, friends. Look at this again, verse 24. What does Paul say about himself? But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself. Did you hear that, by the way? If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel, to the grace of the gospel of God. Friends, that's a a powerful combination of passion and experience along with sound doctrine. Paul could not separate his life from the teaching of Jesus. He knew what it meant to turn to God and to trust in Jesus alone. And he wanted his life to be remembered for nothing else or nothing less. Paul wanted these believers, he wanted these believers to have the same focus he had, to have the same purpose he had, to have the same faith and confidence that he had. In other words, he wanted them to be like him. You know, on the surface, that, that might seem a little arrogant and even self-centered, but look again, he was all about Jesus and his own call on his life. Paul would make some pithy statements about the Christian life in other writings, things like this. He said, for me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Or how about this one? He said this, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Friends, the call is to do this together, not to make us little Pauls, but to make Jesus more clearly seen. That last phrase is found in Paul's letter to, Corinthian, to the Corinthian church, First Corinthians 11, 1 Corinthians 11.1. I often used that verse when I was the dean of students at Westminster. I wanted these future pastors and leaders to feel the weight of what they were embarking on. People ought to be able to look at them and say, that's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You know, instead, we too often promote our own personalities rather than the person of Jesus. In verse 24, look again, you don't see Paul promoting a personality. Rather, he's promoting a person. A person that he wants to give testimony of to all who would look and listen well, oh, friends, true Christian discipleship involves not only a daily growth in the grace and knowledge of Jesus, but having a lasting impact as well. So in conclusion, who, think about this. Who, who has had an impact on your life, and whose life are you impacting? Are you thinking about that? Years ago, I conducted a memorial service for a church member who There was a lot of sharing about this church member's influence that he had on a number of people, everything from Boy Scouts to workplace to home to church. I found myself at that point when I was leading this, I found myself reflecting, who has had an influence on my own life over the years? I think we all have similar experiences when it comes to the types of influence, but I wondered as well about those who had a clear impact on my walk with Jesus. There, were, there are some men who are, who are great preachers and theologians who, who really have helped shape my understanding and, and my love for the Lord. But friends, at the same time, when it came to seeing it lived out daily, it wasn't the spiritual giants who influenced me. It was that average Christian who simply loved Jesus and wanted me to love him too. It was that pastor who, who knew me as a searching teenager, who who invited me into his home and his life. He instructed me in the things of God, and sometimes without words. I watched, listened, and found myself praying, God, I want to be like him. I want to know Jesus and what it means to love him. And then after becoming a Christian and getting married and being a young father as well as a, I had much to learn, Different people God brought into my life was a man named Mel Tibbles. You have no idea who Mel Tibbles is, (laughs) and that's okay. The Lord does. Mel Tibbles was an older brother in the Lord, probably my father's age at that time. Mel came alongside of me. His own son and I were on staff with this ministry. I worked in Youth for Christ with teenagers. Mel was a tradesman. He loved working with his hands and his arms, and it showed. (laughs) He could see the calluses and the, the scars, but he loved working with his hands. Mel also loved Jesus. He would talk to me often about what the Lord was teaching him as a man, as a father, as a husband. You know, I loved just being around him because he was so real and so inviting. Mel also loved to sing. This church loves to sing, by the way, which is good. Mel loved to sing. You know, he especially liked singing the old gospel hymns. That, And often he'd do that with tears. I, I still remember standing next to Mel during a worship time. And, and hearing our voices singing the same lyrics together to our Savior. It was one of those impacting moments. He had no idea. It was one of those sealing and impacting moments. I was standing next to a father in the faith who unashamedly was singing his heart out to the Lord. He couldn't couldn't get it out fast enough or loud enough. Again, I found myself praying, God, I want to be like that man. When I reach his age and season of life, which I am right now, I want to be more in love with you and invite others to join me. One of his favorite hymns is our closing hymn. That's why I have chosen it for Bill. Take time to be holy. I want you, when you see the lyrics, they're simple, simple, but profound. It's about walking with Jesus. I can't help but think of him every time I, I sing that because the words really are simple. But in many ways, this is what true Christian discipleship is all about. Oh, friends, so let's let's all go out and be like Mel Tibbles. No. (laughs) He would say, you go out and be followers of Jesus. It's not about me. It's about Jesus. We should be able to say to those who would listen, follow me as I follow Jesus, amen? Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that you are the God of invitation, who invites us. You are the God of instruction, who explains all things to us. And you are the God who has said, be like me, be holy as I am holy. And you have done that by the death of your Holy Son. And God, you have called us not to perfection in terms of what we can do, but to faith in what your Savior, our Savior has done. Oh, Jesus, let us be people who truly want to follow Christ so that we will have an impact on others for Jesus' sake, not for our sake. Do that work even now.